Hello, Crossroads friends. Thank you for being with us uh, this evening. Uh, this evening I have with me, this is Evan Nope. Evan has been a part of Crossroads and uh, he is going to be a senior this upcoming school year. Just completed his junior year. We're gonna ask him a few questions. He has been so gracious to be a part of an interview with Crossroads and what we're doing. So Evan, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Crossroads. Um, I think I got involved, it was sophomore year, um, from your son, he told me about it. And yeah, me and Pip are good friends, and that's how I started. Okay, good yeah. good start, good way to begin. Uh, what are some insights that you've gained from our, from our Bible studies as we've studied these mm -hmm. things like Genesis 1 through 11 and Romans 1 through 8 and some of the hot topics that are going on in, in Christianity? What are some things you've gained insight? Oh man, one of the biggest things that like stood out to me was when we went through that lesson on like defending your faith and knowing what you believe in and that was really cool and something that came really useful as like navigating my way through high school oh yes 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 why do you believe in what you believe how do you distinguish what's good and evil those are our objectives with what we do this is why we do what we do with crossroads most importantly, though, those four big questions, uh, where did you come from? Where are you going? Uh, who gives purpose and meaning to life? And who is the moral lawgiver? Exactly. For example, we got to be fastened and fixed on those things. So that's very good. Thank you for that insight on that. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that permeates. It's not just us. It, I'm always going to tell you all, search the scriptures daily and search with great eagerness. OK, don't take my word for it. Always go back to God's word. Evan, last question I want to ask you. What is it that uh, you see? You're a, you're a rising senior. What is it as a, as a believer in Christ? What do you see in the uh, high school uh, student uh, scene that that you know, 15 to 18 year old? What do you see in terms of of their views and thoughts about what Christianity is and the Bible? And things like that. Um, well, one of the biggest things that I've seen um, where we are, and I think Crossroads has kind of opened my eyes to it and like showed showed me that there's more, um, was I see a lot of like lukewarm Christians and stuff, especially in this town. Um, but when I get into Crossroads and I come and I'm surrounded with a bunch of like hungry believers, I realize that there's more to... Um, there's more to Christianity than just church. There's more than just, um, you know, saying, yeah, I believe in God. There's like a relationship. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and I, let me, I'm going to add to that a little bit. Uh, uh, folks, we live in the southeastern part of the United States. And, and that is one of the things that I think if you went anywhere in the south, everybody uh, believes that Christ died for their sins, paid the penalty for their sins so they can get to heaven. Um I believe you're right on about that, and it's but it's just kind of on the surface, really. And uh, so, um, I, I, and 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 let me let me say this: it is more than just just attending church. You have to uh, know Him. He wants you to know Him and come after Him. And being in God's Word is how we know Him. And, and through Crossroads, that has just like lit the flame more, and like. Uh, encouraged me to be in the word more and that's just been really good yes yes thank you and and, and, and let me tell you um, um 
Hey, thank you for your kind words. Thank you. And, and I'm going to tell Evan, just like I'm telling you, search the scriptures daily. Don't take my word for it. Always be in God's word because it keeps me accountable. Keeps me accountable. That's uh, um, not to get off topic or what we've been going through, but that's one of the marks of the Reformation is that every God, those men, Martin Luther, those men and other reformers wanted the people in the pews to be searching God's word and not just to be dependent on the man who's in the pulpit. So, yes, thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words and everything. Right here, ladies and gentlemen, Evan Nope here. Thank you. Now, hey, let's go ahead and get into uh, Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Um, something we're going to try to start doing more of is a little bit more of a live audience, okay? You're not going to see them but you're going to see, you're going to see me. You may hear voices and people asking questions, but those are some things we're going to do. We're in, we're, it's, um, it's June 3rd, 2021. So we're entering summer now. So they're going to be a little more laid back. So we're going to do some monthly, uh, worship times here. And, uh, uh, Hey, the young man you just heard from Evan, Evan Nope, that he's going to be hopefully doing some of our music here as we as we continue to do these things in what we're doing here. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, and we're going to be talking about God's covenant with Noah. And as we get into the circumstances and what all, where all we've come from and what all's happening here, um, before we do that, I want to take a, take a few minutes and I want us to bow our heads for word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this privilege that we have and this time that we have together. As we get into your word, I pray that as I have prepared to teach, I pray that that uh, what is uh, what I'm teaching on is 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 clear and and transparent in what I say. And I pray that as I teach, I am being taught as well. And as I have said this in the in the first five or six minutes of our podcast. I want people to search your word. As I'm teaching, I pray that they are scouring through it because it keeps me accountable and it keeps me sharp as I study. And 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 God, thank you for this privilege of teaching and getting into your word. I, we give you all the glory and honor and praise. We lift up the name of Christ, the name above all names by which men must be saved. And uh, and and with all the honor and all the power and all the authority that he has, we lift his name up on high. God, thank you for this privilege and time that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look here at, at Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, there's there's something that, that as we read this, and let's go ahead and read it first. At least we'll have the passage down. And, and as we go on and talk about these things, and I'll do some review from this. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons and him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you and, all, and of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. And I establish my covenant with you and all flesh shall never be cut off by water of the flood. Neither shall there be a flood, neither again 
be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant, which I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud and it, sh it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I, as I read that, I, I find myself thinking a lot about how being a former school teacher, uh, especially a health and PE teacher in the gym, one of the things was repetition is learning. You just say things over and over and over and you hear it so much that you have it in your mind and, and it's clear. How many times do we read over this passage and we see where God says, I myself do establish my covenant. Verse 11, I establish my covenant with you. And then we go on and, and he, he says, um, he talks about this is the sign of the covenant, which I am making uh, between me and you. And then he goes down, I remember my covenant that is between me and you. He goes on and say, says this over and over and over. And in verse 17, this is the sign of the covenant, which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. He says this over and over and over, driving home a point here. Verses 8 through 17, many theologians and pastors call this common grace. And it goes back even to the first part of the chapter, where the Lord lays down ordinances and he, he's even given Noah and his sons freedom now in, in regards to certain things that were restricted from them. And I'll go over those in just a second, but God's common grace is it's basically God's universal kindness to all men. And it's seen through the rainbow, the bow, but it's used as bow here. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. I learned something as I studied this, and prepared for this, uh, what what this bow is exactly, and so uh, and and covenant means sign or marking time, and I'll talk about that as we go through this. But here's here's what we've got going on here: a little bit more context and background are leading up to this as we go through this. In verses one through seven, God blesses Noah and his sons. In verse one, and and they, he tells them, "Hey, be fruitful and multiply." That's what he said way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then he tells them, hey, the fear of, of you will be on and, and terror of you will sh shall be on all the beasts of the earth, every bird of the sky, everything that creeps on the ground and all fish. You know, there's going to be fear and terror on in the animal kingdom because of man. And then he goes on and says, hey, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave you the green plant. So before we had kind of a, a vegetarian diet. We had a diet that was um, just basically nuts and vegetables and fruits and, and things of that nature. Well, now we see that God has ordained meat as a part of man's diet. It doesn't specifically say anything in particular. It's just saying that now meat 
is added to that diet. When you study and we go a little further and we see a covenant and, and, and in and the law of Moses, we see that there are some restrictions to that diet and what's, what's proper to eat and what's not proper to eat among the Jewish people here. But right here we see that meat now has been added to that diet. There's, there's a loosening of that, re, that restriction on his diet here. Um, as we go on and see here that, that, uh, uh, in verse six, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed for in the image of God, he made man. Right there, we see that the sanctity for human life now, uh, we have that image. We bear that image. It's, it's flawed because of sin now, as we see from Adam and Eve and in the Garden of Eden, we see that that that, that image has been flawed. Uh, it's faulty but we still bear that on us. The man bears the, the, that image there. Man bears God's engraved image on his soul and, and on his spirit. So Lord, the Lord has given the sanctity for human life, which I believe that we should be strongly pro-life as believers. Uh, we should be for uh, children, the defenseless. Uh, we should be for them. Uh, so because they bear the image of that is that is the life. And, and God talks about the, the blood that is flowing through the body here that be, you know, be concerned about that. He talks about how the lifeblood of, of every uh, living being, that's how we live is blood flowing through our body and circulating oxygen and so forth. And so we also see here by man, his blood shall be shed. We see that God. He's ordained capital punishment, the death penalty. Uh, we see that there's got to be a sense of law and order that's taking place here. God's covenant with Noah ushers in a new age of establishing human government. And we're going to see that take place here from here on. We're going to see law and order take place. Yet the Lord keeps his covenant very brief here. You've got your diet regulations. You've got the population of the, of the earth. Be fruitful and multiply on the face of the earth. He's told uh, Noah and his sons to go and do that. And then you see the sanctity of human life and you see capital punishment. This is God's covenant for all of mankind. And here it is. It's still to this day. It's still to this day. This is not something that goes away. Now, it's not something that the covenant with Noah is not something that uh, it doesn't go away until the end of time. As a matter of fact, at the end of chapter eight, verse 22, while the earth remains, that's how long this covenant will last while the earth remains. And, and, and Moses goes on and writes about seed time and harvest and cold and heat. And he talks about the seasons. This, this shall not cease. So as long as the earth remains, you'll see this common grace that God shows of God's universal kindness to all men. And basically, when we read this, he's not going to flood the earth again. In short, he's not going to flood the earth again. This will not happen again. I looked up some things. <clears throat> the Lord seals his covenant with this bow. Now, we call it a rainbow, but right here it's used as bow. And we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes here. There are many myths and legends and superstitions about the rainbow. The one we hear the most is from Ireland, where we hear about the leprechauns and the with the pot of gold that's at the end of that rainbow. Uh, in Siberia, the old um, the the uh, the 
the tribesmen that lived there from, from ancient times, they believed that the rainbow is the tongue of the sun. The Arawak Indians in South America believed that the rainbow, they said that good fortune, if, you, if it's seen over the sea, bad fortune, if it's seen over the land. So there's a superstition there. Some of the North American nations, the Native Americans, and the and the the, the bind and to see that hey, God, will, that's a promise that God will not flood the earth again. As a matter of fact, in Genesis one verse fourteen, God uses signs. He's got the sun, the moon, the stars, the luminaries. They serve as as a, as for us. We have to operate and live on time and seasons, of course. God operates. He's outside of time. He he lives. He op, he doesn't live. He just operates. He exists beyond time. He's always been there. He's never had time. We have to have that time. Uh, Genesis one verse fourteen. Then God said, "Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years." Think of it: planting and harvesting has to take place. You have to have those things. You know, you always see an almanac telling you, trying to give you an idea of the of the time frame, when to plant, when to harvest, what's the, the timeline on those things. So we have to have that and God's placed that for us, for our benefit to have a timeline. Let's talk a little bit about the rainbow and what it is. It's the sign of the Lord's covenant. The Lord has established commands and now he establishes a promise here. When we see this and what he's doing here, he says that he's established this covenant and, and, uh, and, and he's saying that I established my covenant, verse 11, I established my covenant with you and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. Here's the promise. There it is. A covenant. Um, God, there's a lot of times where God, what they call, he will cut a covenant. And, and, and as if we study this even further, thousands of years later with Abraham, we see that um, Abraham would cut these animals in half and split them apart here. And, 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 and God was like the oven, this flaming torch that passed right through it. In other words, he brought this, he made this covenant. He cut a covenant. It was created and he established it and he's going to fulfill it and complete it. It's not dependent on, on man. God will see that it's done. And he's bringing this promise. This idea of this covenant is I will not drown life in a universal flood again. Seven times covenant is used here. It's used, and you see it in verse nine here. I do establish, verse nine, now behold, I, myself, he's going on to say, he's emphasizing, I myself do establish my covenant. That's future. I, I am establishing this, and it's with your descendants after you. I want them to understand this, and it needs to be told to them. It needs to be instructed to them that this is for their sake that I am doing this. Verse 11, I establish, that's present, and I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off. So right there, we see that I'm establishing this covenant with you, Noah. I'm establishing it with you. 
<clears throat> your descendants after you. I'm establishing this covenant with you. In other words, I'm driving home the point here. Your descendants don't have to worry about this flood coming again. You don't have to worry about it again. And then we see also in verse 17, this is the sign of the covenant, which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Action from the past, having a present day. Action from the past, having a present day. The Lord initiates, he enacts, and he completes the covenant with a sign, the bow. We see it as the rainbow, but it's, it's this sign. There's, there's different ways or means, a sign, a marking in time, a signal, and it's used to show or confirm anything in the past, present, and future. When we, when we do this or what we see from a covenant, that's what the purpose of a covenant is. It's to show or confirm anything in the past, present, or the future. You know, there's a lot of, of monuments or, or historical markers, and they signify a memorial for remembrance. Or on this spot, this was established here. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, living here in the Southeast uh, United States, there's a lot of different things, places you'll see these mar historical markers and they'll establish like somebody famous or somebody of historical significance lived here or a, a conference or a historical meeting took place at this spot right here. That's what this sign is or this marker. We, we have that for remembrance. The Lord knows these things, and it is for men to have remembrance of this. God is not, God's not forgetful. God is not doing this to jog his memory. He's doing it, it's for remembrance that men will know and, and they will understand. There's a lot of times where God has God has spoken, he has said something to, to men, and he said it to test to see, will anybody remember my covenant? Like, for example, Moses, he told Moses the people of Israel were, were rebellious. They were hard hearted. They were not doing anything in obedience with God. And he said, you know what? Maybe I need to just start over and just wipe this, this people off the face of the earth. And Moses stepped in and interceded and said, no, you have brought us this far. We are the people. Remember the covenant you had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all of a sudden, God said, I would have been waiting to hear if somebody knew that and remembered that. That's why he does these things. He tests us to see, hey, do you remember what I said? And so that's what he does when he says this remembrance. It's not that God forgets or he's trying to figure something out. He knows. He's trying to say, hey, I want you to know that I've remembered. I will not do this again. So that's why those things have been established. As a matter of fact, Germany, I'll, I'll share this with you. Germany has established camps as a reminder and a learning tool to not forget those atrocities. The establishment of Holocaust Memorial Museums, the Tin Boom uh, home in, in Amsterdam in the, in, the, uh, in the Netherlands is maintained to show the means of their valiant efforts to protect the Jews. So those things are, are in effect. That's why we have those markers. And that's why the rainbow, just to give you an illustration, as I've given, this rainbow is there to show us a picture. Hey, God is not going to do 
what he did. There will no longer be a flood that will come, a global flood that will come on the face of the earth. And this repetition is for comprehension to know God's character, to understand why he's doing it. He keeps saying these things over and over in these in these eight or nine verses. Why this sign and covenant? It's because it's because it's to it's for the blessing of man. It's for the blessing of man from God's mercy. It's for the goodness of life from the goodness of God. And it's for man's enjoyment from God's grace. Again, I go back to this common grace here. God is showing how good he is and how he has established his goodness to all people, all men everywhere, all over the face of the earth. And that's how he is, is showing himself and extending himself by this means here. What is this covenant? The Lord made the covenant. Everything is dependent on him. There's no mutual agreement. There's no negotiation. As a matter of fact, I go back to verse nine. Now behold, I myself, that emphasis is because the Lord is saying, I, the Lord will fulfill his covenant alone. He will fulfill his covenant alone. It is, it's, it is unconditional. In other words, it's concrete. Once he said it, it's done. It's done. I like to go back. If you look back at the at first the, the chapter uh, chapter one in creation, when God when Moses was writing and God said, "Let there be, um, uh, you know, the sea mammals and the fish in the in the in the in the waters of the deep. Let there be cattle grazing on the field." And then it would say, "And God created them after their kind, and it was so." In other words. They were after their kind, DNA, passed on, <clears throat> a genus, a family of, of, of that order. They were, they were made. There's no changing of those animals. But also when it says it was, and it was so, that meant it was fixed. It was certain. Right here we see that God's covenant is unconditional. It's concrete. To establish means that it is erect, it's firm, and it stands solid. It's secure and fixed, and it all stands on the Lord himself. That's what we have. That's the promise we have when it comes to the Lord here. It's not dependent on me. If it was dependent on me, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble. It's about the Lord. It's about the Lord alone and how he does this. Think about a marriage ceremony, a husband and wife, the wedding band. A wedding band, it's a symbol of, 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 of a couple's uh, a covenant. It's a symbol of the covenant of a man and a woman and their faithfulness to one another. That they, are, they have given themselves faithfully. I've given myself faithfully to my wife. My wife has given herself faithfully to me, husband and wife. And, we nav and they navigate through a myriad of trials and triumphs regardless of how tough it is in the in a lot of times in the many times in the marriage ceremony there's uh, for better or for worse for sickness and in health for richer or for poor doesn't matter what times we're going through we're going to be faithful with with one another through what we deal with the wedding bands exchanged are symbols of fidelity which is a fancy word for faithfulness and we and, and a one man and one woman, but now we see that marriage has descended into prenuptial agreements. 
What if it doesn't work out? What if this doesn't go well? It's a temporary agreement. It's almost dwindled to in, in 21st century to, uh, well, if it doesn't work up, work out, we're just going to break up like a high school, um, like high school sweethearts and everything. No, not that this is about a marriage, but just to show you the seriousness of a covenant between a husband and wife, that's how serious God is when he makes his covenants. He's not just in it halfway or 50%. He's, He's well into it. He is invested. In other words, I've, I've read where when it says he's a jealous God, the idea is he's red in the face. There's an intensity with God, with his people. And what he is saying here is that, that hey, I, I'm, I'm making this covenant with you and I'm going to extend my, my kindness to all of mankind when we talk about not flooding the earth here. So, you know, these are, you know, and there's going to be trends that are going to change the meaning of what, quote, a covenant is as we continue on here. A covenant should be binding between people and one another. It should be. Used to be a man's word meant something. Now we have to sign things off in, 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 in one page and then, a, and then another carbon copy and then a third carbon copy. And I've seen it where people have multiple, multiple colored contracts. They'll not just have the white piece of paper. They'll have the yellow piece of paper and the pink piece of paper and then a blue piece of paper because everything's got to be signed off because trust has evaporated. So, uh, yes, a covenant should be binding. As a matter of fact, I remember and as uh, what few times I've done uh, or had the privilege of officiating and, and being a part of the being the pastor performing a, a wedding. I've always been enamored with this one phrase, let no man put asunder, let no man put asunder. And I kept thinking, what is that word asunder? What does that mean? I looked it up and it's a solemn act of the covenant. And, and it means if I were to break the covenant, may the Lord cut me in two. That's solemn and that's serious business there. Man's word means something. And that's what God is saying here about his covenant. I'm going to be faithful to complete it. And, and I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to finish it all the way to the end here. Faithfulness to the covenant, the promise. That's what <coughs> this is about. The covenant Lord, the Lord made uh, with Noah again. Let me emphasize. It's a universal uh, covenant with all of humanity. Noah and his sons. This is common grace. The covenant is everlasting through all of time. And remember, verse 22, chapter 8, has the earth remains and the descendants after you and the successive generations. This is going to be a temporary covenant. Uh, no more flood. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 54, verse 9. For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah should not, should not flood the earth again. There's grace being shown. As I finish, let me finish with this one last little part here about the bow. This is this doesn't necessarily refer to a what we see in the sky is the rainbow and the and the colors of that rainbow, but the, the bow is it's a battle bow. It's it's a it's a weapon of death and destruction. As a matter of fact, in Near Eastern literature, it's used a lot of times the 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 deities, uh, the divinities, the the, the gods 
are depicted with a bow, bringing destruction. Exodus 15.3 says, the Lord is a warrior. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 9, his bow is made bare. Zechariah 9.14, his arrows are lightning. So we see here that God, he's, he's bringing destruction. Uh, he, he brought death through, the, uh, through the, the global flood that we saw with sinful humanity and how men were not giving their lives back to, to the Lord. They were not turning from their wickedness. And God brought death and destruction through that. But the rainbow here, the bow, is a symbol of God's grace and mercy. To remember, as you see that several times here throughout this passage, to remember means it's faithful that God never forgets. The flood is a picture of God's wrath. As a matter of fact, over in Second, in Second Peter chapter three, verses verses nine and ten, we see that Peter talks about this. He says that he says he says the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I believe that was true during Noah's time with the 120 years before the flood. Noah was used not just as a carpenter and building of that ark, but he was also a preacher of righteousness, which Peter talks about. But let me save in verse, but <clears throat> so for all men to come to repentance, God wants to see people come to repentance. But verse 10, guess what? There's coming a time, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Yeah, there's, there's a time when the universe will be destroyed and replaced by the new heavens and the new earth. In verse 10, that's going to happen there according to what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. For, <clears throat> for now, the rainbow is a picture of God's grace after judgment. God's way to say to us, he doesn't forget his covenant. God is judgment, but God is also grace. God is wrath, but God is also mercy. God is vengeance, but God is also peace and patience. He's not going to be mocked. He will not be mocked. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't just... Uh, think you can just say whatever you want whenever you want and there's not going to be consequences i've heard a man say this one time he said that he said you know you can make choices in life but the consequences to those choices you can't choose the consequences to the choices that you just made and there's a lot of truth to that anybody of any age bracket needs to hear that me let me say this Galatians 6, verse 7, as, as loving, as holy, as merciful, as gracious as the Lord is, I believe this sums it up. Galatians 6, verse 7, Paul writes this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will reap also. But even in the midst of this judgment, we see God showing his grace to all men and all men, mankind. And you know what? This common grace leads to a saving grace. It leads to a, a, a specific and, and special grace that we have in Christ Jesus. That's what all this 
is pointing to and leading to as we see this. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being being with us this time. I know I went over a little bit longer than usual, but uh, please search the scriptures daily and please seek them out with great eagerness. I pray that all is well with you uh, until he returns. Maranatha.